Hi, hello everybody and welcome to this latest episode of the Waking Up to Autism podcast. I'm Claire Cross, founder of Waking Up to Autism and mother to two autistic children. Um, And this podcast has been created um, with the main aim of inviting on some incredible guests, the majority of whom are autistic themselves, for them to really be able to share their thoughts, their journey and for us to really gain insight um, on what it's like to be an autistic individual in today's world. Um, And so I am really, really excited to welcome our guest on this episode, who is none other than my older brother, Mark, who, for many of you who have been following Waking Up to Autism, won't be a stranger to the name of Mark and me referring to my brother as he is very open and willing and supportive of me in my um, mission on creating awareness and promoting acceptance. Um, And so it's incredible to have him here. So welcome, Mark. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh, this is um, strange, but wonderful to have you on. And I think when I was in the real first stages of thinking about wanting to create a podcast, you were definitely on the top of the list of people to invite on (laughs) Um, I think it would be totally amiss I think because like I've just touched on a lot of I know um, the work that I've done with waking up to autism and definitely with regards to my parenting of Adam and Olivia I have gained so much knowledge and insight from you that I just know that being able to share it via podcast is would be incredible Um, So there's so much that we can cover and chat about, and um, it's exciting to go through that with you today. Um, But I think what a really, really good place to start would be is, obviously for yourself, your autism diagnosis came later on in life. And so I just wanted you to kind of share with us how that came about. Uh, Came about by you, (laughs) starters, isn't it? Um, We were out and... uh... We're having coffee somewhere you said to me i was talking about uh, i was on a roll talking about something and um in some roundabout way i can't remember what we were saying but you said almost out of the blue you said us the eternal question do you think you might be autistic that mm. uh, i wasn't expecting seeing like where the hell did that come from mm. thing. i hadn't thought about it at all um because i had a limited understanding of autism as we do many um but obviously uh, medical researchers or social research, general research into autism has furthered since the movie Rain Man, for instance. But mm. uh, yeah, you started, you know, sort of questioning, um, shining a light really on how how I would come across, how I would pass as being autistic, constitute as being autistic, and um, kind of obsessive. Mm. rigid thought patterns and so forth and yeah it's it certainly struck a chord with me and it, yeah just uh mm. like the wind changed in okay. the end but yeah so that's something i went away and thought about i think mm. i took it pretty well at the time and mm. uh yeah sort of um humid it slightly but at the same time while it was sinking in it all started to make sense and it's made nothing but sense nothing yeah. but sense since yeah it's explained a hell of a lot and that's that's really interesting isn't it because I mean I remember that day obviously very very well and there was absolutely no preconceived plan to even say that to you and I think as much as it was like a bit of a shock to hear it I kind of shocked myself that I said it 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 just kind of came out and I have thought since if I was wrong to have done that because 
I think there's sometimes I've, I've worked with people who have kind of been suspecting that people in their life might be autistic and they don't feel like they should mention it. How did you, how, no, what did you feel? No, no more wrong than the, than the school teacher saying to you, do you think your daughter Olivia might be autistic? Yeah. And then that happened before you said to me, do you think yeah. you might be autistic? So it's kind of, it's passed on mm. in a way. That awareness has mm. passed on. Um, so it's only a good thing. And I think I did write a diatribe to you about which you shared online about the benefits of being diagnosed, which I don't know if I can if I have that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. At all at the moment. Actually. That would be amazing um, if you have a little look for that. Yes, exactly, because it, it did it did make a lot of things make sense in terms of um, uh, basically how well how how I come across how I function mm. in the world really, and um, yeah, so I think it's making this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't worry. I had okay. it. Uh, so I wasn't prepared for that. So, no, 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 but yeah, fine. I did write a, th a thing about how you can, you, can, you can look at it on your website or, yeah. or on your uh, Facebook. But yes, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, it just it just made things a lot of things made sense. I mean, the early the uh, it made me think back to uh, my own early childhood because I wasn't diagnosed until I was thirty seven. I'm forty two now. And uh, the early signs from stems, if you like, versus current stems, which are similar. Um, as a small child, I would rock back and forth. Yeah. I'd sit up in bed after being tucked in, lights mm -hmm. out. I'd be have my feet under the pillow behind me, and I'd just hands in front of me, kneeling down, rocking back and forth. That's how I'd regulate my thoughts. I used oh, to do okay. that a lot every single night. Um, I used to do like what you'd say a uh, kind of like a moan humming. So it's almost like, mm, yeah, mm, or something like that. And I do something similar to that now. I go, mm, you know, yeah. something similar in my own private space, not my own public, of course, but you know, yeah. in my room and no one's around. I do, you know, just just to regulate thoughts, just as a something. And I think mean, stims are transferable. They can move from one part of the body to the next because I'm okay. maybe walking around and my hand would brush against the out the my my hip mm -hmm. as I'm walking sometimes, or it would go. It would go somewhere else. I used to have a thing where the corner of my mouth, I'd blow, wind, uh, blow air out the corner of my mouth and just go like that. Yeah. But now it's, um, um, yeah, now I have a, a different kind of, a different stem that's, uh, uh, I don't know, I think, I'm not sure what the stem, the stem is because it, it's, it, it's, it can change. Yeah. It can change. Stems and can do, change. does the stem change kind of without your control or do you actively change it? Or do you just suddenly think, oh, no, that's a new it's one? it's uncontrollable. Yeah, it's, uncontrollable. it's un unconscious in a way. It just, yeah. it just appears. Right. You don't plan it. No, you don't plan it. No, 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 no. But do you find like the stim is like the rocking when you were younger and mm. then obviously the humming that you did when you were younger and you have now, you now still do, albeit slightly different and obviously you now do it in in private when you say that helps regulate your thoughts is that when you're thinking about a lot of things it just Possibly. helps to calm calm it the speed of that down uh, or? I, I don't really know it's uh yes and no yeah it's just it's just a general it's thing more, more habits it's like biting your fingernails maybe but um, yeah uh yeah i, I just that's oh, one okay. thing I do. I do that. There's quite, so, quite. There's a few verbal stims yeah, for you then. As yeah, well. exactly. That's the thing I do. So, so okay. like, a, like a raspberry. So, yeah, so yeah, I know yeah. someone who I suspect may be autistic or used to work with. He's in his sixties. This guy and uh, work and, um, I don't know if he knows he is or if he's diagnosed. Or he might not be autistic yeah. at all. But I have a, an inkling that he might possibly be. But he 
does some he has like a what I call a nasal stems so off when you're talking to him he'll he'll often be like oh okay yeah like every now and then yeah. with his nose yeah thing like that and, and just, probably doesn't even know like, he's doing it maybe well probably. just out of habit yeah, yeah. It's, like a, it's like a stem it's like mm-hmm. an autistic stem i see mm-hmm. so yeah so it's really interesting stimming and obviously as you know like with adam he you know his stims are very sort of bouncy and active and flapping and things like that and he's very unaware I think that he stims, and if people look at him or judge him, it really doesn't enter his radar. Do you think that you did things similar when you were younger and weren't aware, or have you always been very aware of um, what you're doing? Not super aware in the sense that I'm doing something different, okay. really. Just uh, I think I was aware of it, but I didn't think anything of it. Didn't think anything Basically, of it. It's, it's, it's your own reality, isn't it? So you accept the reality. We accept the reality we were born into yeah. without necessarily questioning it. So, But now you have an awareness of it. That, oh, my, that's why I did that. That's why I always okay. re- you know, behaved in those little ways and yeah. those little uh, quirks. So when you were, obviously, as you've, so. you've said, you were diagnosed in your late 30s. Yes. And... What was the diagnosing process like for you? Was it was it something that you definitely wanted to get confirmed officially? Uh, well, curiosity made me want to have it. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. it's just have it. Rather, otherwise, you'd always be living in wonder. So, uh, so yeah, of course, it was important to have it, uh, it diagnosed. Went to the GP, referred me to a specialist, uh, Hove Polyclinic. Uh, happened inside of a year, best part yeah. of a year, but obviously at my age a year is nothing so yeah absolutely um, so yeah you have fairly fairly quickly yeah absolutely and when so when obviously I'm, i sort of questioned and said do you think you might be autistic yes and i mean did you start looking into what autism is and then kind of like penny dropping moments like oh my god this is all ringing really true um yes oh yeah basically i mean it did it did um yeah, it made it made a lot of things uh, made sense. I mean, actually, a diagnosis. Uh, I've actually got the diatribe here. In any case, is somewhat irres- it's irresistible once someone f- first points out that you might be on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better than living in self ignorance, wondering what's wrong with you in certain aspects of life, like social life and trying to acquire relationships. The unexplained and unwitting difficulties therein. It also offers a sense of closure without cure, as there is no cure. And it sure explained a few things for me that had always been well hidden in plain plain view. And the only problem of potential danger in autism diagnosis being a label is to overly identify with that label, willfully, if not unconsciously, playing up to the persona of the permanently broken outsider, forever incompatible with the rest of the world. Uh, Though if if you never get to know what the problem is properly through clinical experts' diagnosis, you can never really see what exactly it is you've been up against your whole life as an adult and child leading up to diagnosis, and thus have the proper reflective insight to hopefully work through it objectively, as opposed to mentally tethering yourself to a post and believing yourself to be a prisoner of your own very different brain in which you were born into a life sentence. And I think part of processing autism post-diagnosis is to make light of it on your own terms, not least of all because there is no cure, but also because of the intense levels of focus and obsession it gives over a given singular area of interest, for example, can possibly lead to personal greatness in that very area, mm. so long as it's a healthy passion with meaning and it is greater than oneself. Mm. So with me, that's photography. But so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that, that piece of writing there is so 
you know, so poignant and concise and descriptive. Um, I always find with you as well, your written word is extraordinary. And I'm not just saying that to like big you up. Do you actually find in a communicative, in a communicative style, your better written words? Oh, I was just going to say, actually, listeners right now will probably think I'm more articulate in written word than I yes. am. You'll notice, as I do as well, again, the self-awareness of autism is that there's not much emotional inflection in my voice, as I yeah. was saying that in general, there isn't. There's, I think with autists, it's mm. where if it's the same women, women mask a hell of a lot more than men do. So yeah. there's a, there seems to be a lapse of uh, emotive, emotional inflection in my voice. It seems flat. It seems like, you hate, like you know, yeah, it seems quite a limited mm. Mm. tone. It's not, yeah. It's and not I think, bouncy. I mean, and as your you sister, know. unless I'm talking about something I'm super yes. interested in now, it goes like Adam, for example, or little Adam, your yeah. son, yeah. who's a mini me. Yeah. By the way, he's you know he gets super confused. He becomes very Mr. Saturday Night when he's talking about something he's interested, super interested yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as well in the in in the nicest possible way. Because I think quite a lot of the time, the way that you speak, there isn't a lot of emotion now. I don't often mm. see a lot of passion or emotion in you, unless obviously you're talking about something, like your obsessions and mm. things that you're interested in. That's yeah. different. But then you read some of the things that you write, mm. and you're like, I can't quite believe that's come from you. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Know, you know, not oh, in yes. a patronising way, but not like, no, they don't quite match. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and an example of, of that was obviously when our mum lost her husband. Yes. And you sent her an email mm. and she said to me, because when I went to see her, she said, I've received this wonderful, lovely email from your brother. Mm. And she shared that with me. And I think out of all the things that probably had been said to mum in passing from people giving their well wishes and their thoughts, it was probably the most heartfelt, beautiful thing that had ever come from anybody. Is that what she said? Was well, that? she didn't say those words, no. but she was saying... yeah. It I mean, was just she, lovely. Yeah, she replied to me saying she appreciated I didn't yeah. know it had that much of an Absolutely. effect. Oh, right. And it was. And you yeah, kind of think, it you know, it's it's really I think it's really interesting the way in which obviously is the communication style and quite and so often people say that autistics don't feel empathy mm. or lack emotion. And it's just you're not receiving it from them in the way that you think you should. Doesn't mm. mean that they don't have it no, and it I comes out I in different pros, ways. I process empathy differently. Okay. I have it, but I, I was going to talk about that as well. I, mm. I process empathy differently. I don't cry at things like that mm. most people would. I can't remember the last time I cried. No. Actually, you know, I just don't. And, you know, I, I watch, let's say, for example, an episode of Gogglebox, a yeah. programme, and let's say they're watching um, a Great British Bake Off Stand Up to Cancer, the thing, you know, where they're yeah. the British Bake Off, but then they cut to a uh, little um, milieu of uh, cancer sufferer who's on, you know, on the way out, or whatever, you know, you don't just draw a picture there, but uh, you, you cut to the goggle boxes watching this, and you, you know, men, women, children, whatever, all floods of tears. And I'm mm. not at all, I'm completely dry eyed watching this, so you know, mm. and I think, what am I a psychopath for not feeling this <laughs> emotion? But obviously, not. I just I process it differently, I get it, feeling, but I don't, I I don't have the emotional outlet, if you like. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't exhibit, I'm not emotionally demonstrative in that way. No, it's interesting, isn't it? And I yeah. think. I think sometimes people get really upset about I know when I watch yeah. things like that I feel very sad for the person involved but what I do in my head is I apply that situation to my reality so for example if it was um a family whose daughter had cancer mm. 
I would think about Olivia, and that's what yeah. gets me crying. So I'm not yes. necessarily. Oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're yeah. more emotional, emotionally centered than I am. Much yeah. more. I'm, I am uh, empathy without exhibit. Okay. So, so you know, I suppose. What do you find emotional? What would get you crying? Et. Et. No, e. <laughs> no not, nothing that emotional. No, nothing that emotional. You don't think you'd ever get that emotional? I don't know, really. It depends. It's fun, isn't it? No, no. Mm. Uh, take it for what it is, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. So, obviously, now that you know that you're autistic, and that kind of answers a lot of questions, and you kind of touched on it a little bit a, a while ago about that was, you know, the hindsight and retrospectively looking at certain areas of your life and thinking, oh, okay, that now makes sense. Mm. When you were kind of growing up, I suppose I'm sort of thinking more about school years when we're, we're a child and we're having to go to school and we're very dictated to about what we're doing. Did you kind of notice that there was something different about you? At school, at primary yeah. school, yeah. And there was a, a session we did at school where we drew uh, the outline of a human figure or a jelly baby figure or whatever mm -hmm. it was. You know, each of us did a piece of paper, write our name at the top of it, and then share it around. So, you know, give it to the teacher, she would then share it, share yeah. each, each person's paper with a different class member so we would all end up with a piece of paper with a human outline drawn yeah. on it with someone else's name and, yeah. and you write inside that human figure just a word simple word or a little sentence what you think of that person basically how oh, what impression okay. you have of that person so and then we and then we receive oh, our own okay. respective yeah. uh human figure drawings back with our own name and we get to see what people, people have written think about it. We don't know, we don't necessarily who's written about it, but yeah, you can also have an idea of who like handwriting or attitude or whatever. And I've noticed most of the, the guys, most of the boys would write in my inside my human figure, he's funny, he's a good laugh, he's a joke and all that. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed a lot of female handwriting saying he's weird. He oh. does weird things, he's odd, that kind of thing. That Women pick up on things, it's probably why women make good film editors, a lot of film editors of women because they never miss a trick. They spot oh. things like, you know, it's the cliche, I think it's the stereotype that men are used to uh, recognising when their wives have come back with a, a new haircut. They don't notice it, whereas women notice little Notice things. little bits. It, it would seem, it would appear, which is why okay. female autistic, might answer the question as to why female autistics are very good at masking, because again, they have that uh, mindset of social human detail. Yeah more than men do perhaps perhaps uh, it's a stereotype yeah, yeah. but nevertheless this is the drawing this is the yeah. result i got back so that's one that was interesting do you remember how that made you feel um, like when you read like he's weird he's odd or whatever did you just think much. or whatever or... yeah i suppose i suppose not not much i didn't i don't it didn't it, didn't, it wasn't traumatic or anything but no, uh okay. yeah I did. it's an, just an interesting very interesting in especially even more so now knowing what i know yeah it's like, yes. it's, again it's one of these core cool, it's self-reflective mm. um you know um hindsight yeah 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 so do you feel like as an adult before you knew that you could possibly be autistic and then obviously subsequently were diagnosed were you ever quite mentally hard on yourself with how you were and how you navigated life and has that then been e eased off now that you've had the diagnosis and there's kind of reasoning as to probably, probably a bit yes yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah a bit um because the first uh, i remember i lived above a guy who had autism who was uh 
going for the levels now, level two, I want mm. to say low function level two autistic because he was he must be diagnosed as a child and he was yeah. uh yeah, I thought he was a strange guy who complained about me walking up from one end of the room to the other, you know, you know, would disturb him. Yeah. And all it was he was not very much or complaining about so on my TV, but he was uh he passed a note through my door saying um how he flew into a rage, not that I heard it or anything like that. He apologised for having thrown into a rage and explaining that he's Asperger's. Oh, okay. And I recognise, because I spoke to him in person as well, and I noticed, one of the things I noticed, again, going back to what you were saying earlier before, is uh, he's so much more articulate on paper than he is in person. Yeah, yeah. In written word, far more articulate. That's really interesting. In person, it? it's almost borderline mute in a way. Yeah. It's just very, very awkward to get yeah. any anything resembling a conversation out yeah. of him. So he was, I think, just while we're on the subject as well, people may not like the level, the uh, labels, quite mm -hmm. of levels. But for me, it's helpful because I mean, yeah. not to look at it too much as a gospel scripture, but more as a useful guide, mm -hmm. as, as it is for me. Is I mean, the autism spectrum is like. The Atlantic Ocean it is oceanic in mm. its scale. You know, there can never be one movie or one book that encapsulates the whole entire spectrum of the biggest move, the biggest book, <laughs> yeah. or the longest movie in history. Mm. You, you, you just can't do that. You know, I mean, let's say Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman's character in Rain Man's up to his neck mm. in the proverbial autistic walk in pool, mm -hmm. whereas I'm up to my angles in it. Yeah. So I think he's up to his neck in level low, in high functioning level three because he's a, a, a Autistic savants, you know, mathematical brain, you know, incredible memory mm. uh, algebra. And whereas I'm not academic at all, but I'm high functioning level one. So mm. I'm the autistic whom people may be inclined to, to say, you don't look autistic. Yeah. Not that I've ever had anyone say that to me, but then again, I've, there's not many people I've told that I am no. autistic. So and that's a couple of people have actually mentioned to me, are you autistic? Oh, okay. People have, I uh, one woman I used to work with, uh, she has previous experience of working with right. autistic so she had an insight yes. and she picked up on certain qualities in me and she said in a pub when we were out having a mm. drink, you know, in quietly, yeah. so the others could hear, she said, are oh, you autistic? She said to me, I said, yes, I am. And mm. this, this was this was after I was diagnosed. Yeah. So it's interesting how it's, these Very. things come around, come about. And Very interesting. Come, come open. But yeah. So it's level one, level two, level three in autism. Level three is the lowest well, I say, I say that the most um, concentrated manifestation of autism, it's uh, it's Rain Man, basically. Yeah. Those are the people who may require 24-hour mm -hmm. care, uh, you know, uh, social care supervision. Um, that could be low or high-functioning. Uh, Low-functioning would be mute. High-functioning would be the autistic savants who have fantastic memories and have a gift, you know, amazing, mm -hmm. amazing memories. They can tell you what songs at number one in the charts in 1979 in yeah. july when you know that kind of thing that's, yeah. that's rain man and then level two is midway they can live independently but they may require the odd social care visit now and again yeah they're kind of semi-independent i suppose again either low or high functioning mm -hmm. uh within that within each of the levels and then of course level one's fully independent mm -hmm. uh well level a uh, low functioning level one would have serious uh they have real real real, real struggles in employment yeah. and socializing general whereas i'm obviously you know high functioning level one so yeah. you know yeah obviously this, which is why it's taken me it took me so long to get diagnosed why it never came into my consciousness um until i was 37 yeah you know then, it is interesting and i think and we've obviously spoken previously about the use of functioning labels and i think it's obviously 
um, a personal choice for any autistic person as to whether they find it useful and whether they wish to, to associate with a, a particular level of function. Um, I always think as well, like with, the, with Adam and Olivia, Olivia more so, because she's a girl and she masks so mm. well, she often doesn't display what's really happening. And so sometimes I'm very loath to call her high functioning because when things are... Mm not okay with her she can go from being verbal to non-verbal mm, right. she can't communicate okay. verbally when she's overwhelmed yeah and so if she's always classed as being high functioning sometimes well more often than not unfortunately i think it's more as you're an adult you're more in control of your own destiny and your own mm. world and what you do with the with the younger ones when they're at school there's a a worry that if a student is classed as high functioning, mm. people that don't know enough about it wrongly assume that high functioning means low support needed. Yeah. And for the majority of the time, it may be that not much support or intervention is needed, but that's not the case 100% of the time. Mm. And it's just mm. making sure that people are aware that actually, yeah. when things aren't quite okay, that high functioning level can slip down and actually that needs to be taken into account. So it's it's definitely been interesting. Do you ever feel mm -hmm. that, obviously you said as well that you haven't really told many people that you're autistic. Mm -hmm. um, so first question I suppose is, is that just because you've never really felt a need or because you would just rather people didn't know? Um, well, it's never come up in conversation actually i mean i have told people i've worked with before uh yeah. just in conversation but then again i'm a consumer loner as well so i yeah. don't see many people yes even, you know what i mean yes yeah, so there's <laughs> so, not that many people to tell exactly yeah exactly <laughs> exactly uh, so it's funny but i mean that's another thing about autistics i think is that they are exceptionally high functioning in their own company i mean I, there is a consumer loner as i call it with, yeah it comes with a package of autism maybe i am total loner mm. and i'm comfortable with that i'm fine with that and there was a program on tv about a social experiment about people uh where someone had to stay indoors not so, not socialize for a week or up to a month and this guy was about he's a neurotypical guy he's absolutely bouncing off the walls whereas autistics would be in their element i know you know it's completely different totally 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 different at the risk when you were talking about high and low function mm. as well let's not forget the risk of sounding glib there, there's you know high and low functioning neurotypicals absolutely as there is absolutely. Know, autistic. what you do the greatness of great thing about what you do where why waking up to autism exists i think is to ideally hopefully bridge the gap not just i mean obviously raise awareness and acceptance of autism but ultimately i think bridge the gap between the autistic and the neurotypical yeah. mind frame and you know um I think it works as well, not in spite of you being neurotypical, but because you are really? neurotypical, 100%. Yeah, if you want to get, you know, who better to bring awareness of autism than a neurotypical woman who has two autistic children, yeah. frankly? You are that rich. Well, I like. I, I hope rich. so. And I think, and, and it's great, actually, that you brought that up, because something that always heightens my anxiety and makes me feel a bit like I should maybe sit down and be quiet it's yeah. because I am neurotypical yeah. and I know that there are a lot of people in the autistic community that feels that if you're not autistic you shouldn't have a voice about mm. anything to do with autism I do like to think that I'm very proactive in making it very clear I am neurotypical I'm not speaking over autistic voices yeah. I want to speak alongside them and, and advocate for them but I do think there is a good element of being that kind of middle person. Yeah, exactly. Um, it makes perfect sense, really. Yeah. It makes sense. You may think it makes 
that you obviously this should be run by an autistic person. No, it's not because your old, your old audience, your most crucial audience are neurotypicals, mm. not autistics. Because really. what? Yeah, and, and I think who better well. to deliver that message than mm. a fellow neurotypical? That's yeah. what it is. It's, it makes sense. Yeah, well, that's really to reassuring to hear. Hundred percent. Yeah. Because I think as well, what my main purpose is to showcase to people that just because an autistic person doesn't behave in a neurotypical way doesn't make it wrong it's kind of like your um the example you just gave about the neurotypical guy mm. in the room for a week was climbing the walls yeah whereas you could do that quite happily oh yeah and it's getting neurotypicals and society to actually fully understand that you're okay with that because mm -hmm. i know mm -hmm. like i had a chat yeah. with obviously dan my husband a little while ago about it, because obviously Adam is so like you. Oh, yeah. He's he a, had to self-isolate for 10 yeah, days and yeah. didn't even notice. Yeah. He, we didn't tell him. He, he, he had no clue. He didn't go out of the house yeah. for 10 days, and he was the happy as a sample. I mean, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was made for lockdown, wasn't he? Made for lockdown. Yeah. Loves it. The less people around him, the, the better, as far as Adam's concerned. But Dan, for example, and a lot of other people, and me to a certain extent, look at that and find it hard to believe and accept that you're okay with that mm, that that's mm. oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and it's kind of like yeah there he's okay he doesn't want to yeah. do x y and z sometimes it's useful it's good to look at they always try and look at things counterintuitively as well it's much better to be on your own than to be with someone who gets on your fucking nerves mm. or someone who's toxic you know do you find a lot of people get on your nerves plenty of people do, yes. can do. yeah do you find them quite do. a low tolerance of of other people there's a lot of stupid people out there, put it that way. I mean, yeah, there's, then there's a lot of, you know, great people. I mean, actually, funny enough, it was just the other day I was walking down the street, I was going away to the shops, and this guy um, who I used to work with, I used, an old, old friend of mine who I was in touch with from a previous job, he was driving past, stopped, stuck it out the window, called out to me, and, you know, asked me how I'm doing. We had a good chat. Yeah. He says, yeah, I was, I was trying to call you. You know, a different number. We should go out for a drink sometime, blah, 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 blah. blah. It says, you know, um, it's been a long time, and, yeah drove away and I walked away saying, oh, that's, that's cool. But then again, I don't think too much, I don't think that much of it afterwards. I'm not sort of pining no. after that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I must go out, I must, must catch up with this. But, yeah, I was just... If it happens, it, it happens. happens. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing, you know, just keep it casual, you know. It's just, um, yeah, it'd be good to go out for a pint, you know, with a former colleague, you know, yeah. who I haven't seen in a while, catch up, that kind of thing, you know. But at the same time, yeah, I'm not, my happiness doesn't, hinge on it completely yeah. it doesn't you know it doesn't. that's um funnily enough actually you're talking about that that's a huge one of the i mean olivia and adam are so different in lots of ways yeah. but one of the main differences is that and i think that's can be quite classic of the more female presentation and male presentation of autism because adam's very like you mm. if someone comes along and he likes them and it's it's it flows fine if it doesn't, it never happens, yeah. he couldn't care less. He really doesn't pin yeah. his hopes or his happiness on that. Yeah. Whereas Olivia, complete opposite. And I think mm. a lot of autistic girls are they're more socially motivated and have this yeah. need and this desire to fit in, hence the masking. Like, exactly that as well, yeah. And yeah. it's it's so sad to see, actually, because she does. She actually puts her whole self-worth and how she views herself in the hands of other people. Mm. So if other people pay her attention, she loves it. She loves to feel included. If they don't pay her attention, she takes it so personally mm. to heart. Yeah. So it, it's a really interesting, I think, quite defining. Yeah. I used to be in a group of friends and I would still fundamentally be a loner because I was a loner in a sense. I was on I was on the peripheries. I was never 
the mm. central yeah. Barry Reyes and the central focus player in a, in a, in a big circle of friends yeah. that used to be part in my early 20s you go to Bryson you know mm. Worthing. but um yeah I mean I was mostly on the peripheries but it was you know it was, it was a good time it was, mm. it was great you know mm. being mm -hmm. friends but at the same time yeah I was it, looking back now it makes sense that I wasn't yeah, I was that peripheral mm. side friend. I was in the circle, I was in that circle of friends, but at the same time, as yeah, I was you know, I was described as being in a world of my own, which is absolutely true. Yes, in a world of my own, yeah. I'm attempting to zone out. I mean, in my own little world, yeah, in a sense as well. And I remember, um, in my early 20s, uh, the four of us, you, me, mum, and dad were in a pub. Mm. Uh, well, you were with us, I don't, I don't know, but um. We're in a pub in Worthing where I used to live, and I was um, just looking. There was this uh, young couple, boy and girl couple, sat at a table, sat at the next table, and I was just looking at them, just generally just watching them, yeah, uh, and just watching them and watching them, not taking my eyes off them because when you just, I just got myself for some reason, I just interested yeah. in watching, <laughs> and watching them, which of course you don't really do. You watch them for a couple yes. of seconds they look away you know this is an autistic thing as well the tendency just to, to stare not that that was strictly my intention but mum caught me uh staring or watching too long and she said mark don't, don't stare yeah. you know telling me off for that so and then uh that was obviously me in my early 20s i had no idea about autism then but fast forward so after i've been diagnosed mm. sometime not that long after i was diagnosed i was in a fast food uh <clears throat> restaurant uh by myself and uh is uh, I think three or four women sat down. One of them was, I could tell quite quickly, I think was level three, low function level three autistic. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, mute, not not saying anything, but she was uh, a class as a vulnerable adult. She's yeah. a young lady and she had her social work carers with her. Right. Like, so all in casual dress, but she had, they were her social workers, mm. you know, mm. minders, you know, and I was sitting down and this, uh, this young lady who was mute and just almost no emotion in her face perfectly harmless but she's just, just looking at me just kind of just staring right at me yeah seconds went by and i could feel her staring at me and i just i could i i, I put two two together and I'm like, okay i bet she, i reckon she's she strikes me as someone who's on the autism yeah. spectrum there and then one of her uh female carers um by the way uh when my mum called called this out to me earlier he said mark don't stare um i forgot to mention our mum our mum's name is sarah which will come clear as to why I'm saying that in a minute. Um, but this uh, young female um, autistic woman staring at me, her female minder social worker said to her, Sarah, don't stare. Oh, how funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. I think a lot of the time it is just that kind of social etiquette or the way in which yeah. just those kind of social rules isn't it of like you don't just stare at people yeah. or yeah, say quite. certain things it just sometimes isn't necessarily yes. obvious or at the forefront of mm. people's minds is it and then, yes. yeah there's contradictions within autism as well for me i mean as much as we do live a routine rigid routine existence i do also on the flip side of that i crave nuances as well i want to go somewhere i haven't been before okay as well as i don't always want to go to the same mm -hmm. place of cafe or whatever we'll do the same thing over and over in certain respects i do but others not so much yeah as well but i mean do you find yourself because i i always think of you as you're quite routine driven do you do, are you aware of that 
yeah, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, there is on on some basic level there is. Yeah, you know, you do the I same think, sort of things. And but then I think there's a lot of neurotypicals who probably are as well. Yeah, extent, like, maybe not extent. as concentrated as yeah. in a way as autistics, but yeah. Mm, absolutely for sure. So. Do you what do you think then as well being diagnosed as an adult? Do you what do you ever think to yourself how things may have been different if you'd received a diagnosis yeah. as a child? Hard to answer, but yes. all, all I will say is I'll be very good with your son Adam, or not only is he very much like me, but he's what he's nine years old, nine. nine years old. He's being diagnosed. When was he diagnosed? He was diagnosed at the age of seven. At the age of seven. Right. Well, as a as a child, as yes. I'll be very interested to see how he goes through his teenage years and early adult years. Yeah, you know, and knowing, knowing knowing what he does, knowing what, what having self awareness that he does, which I didn't have at his age. I'll yeah. be very interested to see how his life unfolds. Yeah, because that will answer that yes. question. That will like, okay. That's what my life could have turned out if I'd known. At the same time, I do sometimes wonder what. Who would I be if I was neurotypical? What would a neurotypical me be like? And I think yeah. in a hypothetical world, I would love to just even just for one week, you know, um, if there was such a hypothetical thing as a, um, uh, and, and, you know, a neurosurgery that would make my brain neurotypical for one week and just mm -hmm. live one week with a neurotypical brain. I'd, yeah, absolutely go yeah. for that. And then just to see what that's like, who would I be? Who, mm -hmm. what would my experience of the world being like through a neurotypical brain. And I think neurotypicals as well should go through that as That's, well. Yeah, yeah, be Have incredible. Be, or be autistic for a week. Yeah. Autistics be neurotypical for one week. And then, you know, after when the week is up, you know, your brain is automatically going go so back it, to the original default. Absolutely. So it's interesting that you say... So, again, bridging the gap. Absolutely. And it just makes you more aware of, of the other yeah. side. Um to kind of get that understanding but it, it's interesting as well that you say that you know hypothetically if you could do that for a week you'd definitely oh, yeah, do it it'd yeah. be wonderful but just for the week so what i'm saying is if someone said to you right mark mm. take this pill and you would be neurotypical yeah. and not autistic anymore would you well i think this again goes into the question of it. it's uh if i could do it for just one week once the week is up <laughs> would, I, would i want to go back mm. who knows who mm. i don't know what it's like yeah. being a neurotypical more than neuro, you know, yeah. A neurotypical may ask, What's it like being autistic? Well, straight back at you, what's it like being neurotypical? You know, how much difference, how much of a difference is there between my mm. what I would call high functioning level one autistic brain and a regular neurotypical brain? Mm. Obviously, there is a difference, but you yeah, know, it's the little things that can make a big difference as well. It's that's how much emotive inflection there is in the voice. I mean, I think my, there's been more emotive inflection in my voice since the podcast started. I'm yes. getting more into the into things now. People, people will notice if you round back to the beginning of the podcast, you have, you'll hear a robot, yes. but now it sounds a bit more humanly engaging. Yes. So there's more... Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because, like, yeah, if we, you know, I could spend more a frequency. week... If, if we could swap brains for a yeah. week, you would experience what neurotypical Claire crossed yeah. is like and I'd experience autistic mark is like yeah whereas there'll be you know Anna who I spoke to earlier who's autistic I could swap brains with her and it'd be a completely different week because you know like we've always said you know one autistic you met one autistic you met one yeah. autistic person but going back to the labels and stuff as well just a quick question just out of my curiosity when 
you obviously say that you're autistic you very much um follow that up quite quickly with i'm an autistic high level function level one mm. do you do that because of how other people might be perceiving the news that you're autistic in other words it's like i'm autistic but don't worry i'm high function level one <laughs> is it do you see what i'm trying to does that yeah, make sense yeah, yeah. is it for your is it your kind Probably of like habit, panic, not panic but like no, oh, i don't want them to no. judge me so if well, i no, follow I it up with that i think most people are not that stupid they can see i'm not rain man no of course but yeah. do, is there uh, any truth in that um I, i'm an excellent driver uh, <laughs> yeah you can run me a bath i won't scream uh, referencing the movie now but um yeah uh well i think most i can give most people credit for knowing that you know mm. yeah yeah i just i just wondered if if it was i'm not that different but um yeah I don't know really. I haven't no. really thought about it much, but I don't. I, then again, I haven't. I don't have this conversation much with people except you. Yes. When else? But uh, I think because we're, because of what we're talking about now, mm. we're delving into it. So mm. yeah, I'm going to make that reference. Yeah, of course. More specific. Of course. Reference. So, that's... do you feel now that you know that you are autistic? That has changed the way that you are. Do you feel like you're more relaxed about who you are as a person? Is there kind of like more, more yes, like there is. There's more clarity. Yeah. For starters. Yeah. So it's definitely been a good kind of process for you to actually discover that you are autistic. Yeah. No, it has. Yeah. 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 It's it's explained a lot. Mm -hmm. It's explained a lot for mm -hmm. sure. So and how was your experience of school do you feel like your school journey and life was probably impacted by the fact that you were autistic but didn't know it well yeah i didn't fit in yeah so more socially at school yeah completely yeah. yeah although it was never um i think social differences really come to the fore when you're in your pre-pre-pre-teens into yeah. your teens from the age of 11 12 onwards from that's olivia's age she's going to feel a lot more and adam will when he gets yeah. 11 12 13 he's going to really mm. yeah, but then he's in the right setting he? he's right? in the so right setting and it's, it's a follow-through so he's not going to move for secondary no. so no. that transition may you'll have a smooth smoother ride hopefully have hopefully, a smoother yeah. ride how was that transition from primary to secondary for you if you can recall um was it harder when you went to secondary i suppose is what i'm asking yes and no i mean yeah i mean more and more so i mean i was a loner from the age of i say 11 when i went to my first when i went to state primary school starters uh, i had a few friends but i had more friends in my uh when i was nine ten years old adam's age now yeah when i had a lot of more school friends people didn't care much about different social differences back then yeah so yeah i was more popular when i was adam's age mm. than i was <clears throat> thereafter but yeah. then i just adjusted to it as you know yeah i mean people i remember uh, people may say to me yeah you don't talk like everyone else does oh, that okay. sort of thing you know yeah. people pick up on things like that you know mm. have a quirky mm. nature about me or yeah something that's a misshape yeah yeah so quite a lot with a lot of autistic people is their amazing ability to with their sort of obsessions and personal interests and stuff mm. so what sort of things have you really been interested in oh films was a huge one for me and adam's age onwards yeah, yeah a little bit less now probably because mm. there's so many shit movies out there i suppose <laughs> but never even being made now but uh you know it seems i've got more retrospective film taste now but uh 
Yeah, I was obsessed with movies, going to the cinema every weekend. Okay. Was there anything in particular that made you obsessed with them? Was it just like the yeah, whole was, thing? Um, the whole thing, just cinema, movie making, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right so, at high school, yeah, that was huge mm, for mm. me, yeah. Wanted to be a filmmaker, and now I'm a photographer, which is a better fit for me, I think. Okay. Fashion and portrait photography is more... yeah. I think I'd lose my shit if I was to to direct movies, I think. Okay. Perhaps. So with the photography, you find it more maybe it's you're in control of it because it's just yeah. you and your camera. But you're yeah. not having to yeah. kind of take into account too many other people, apart from obviously maybe the model if, if, if you've got one. Yeah. Funny enough, photography is one of the, like, hobbies, mm. skills, interests, and even jobs that a lot of autistic people have. And yeah. I wonder if it is – do you, do you well, know why yeah, it might I mean, be? No, I think it's just creating your own world, seeing it, <coughs> having a device that you can see, <coughs> capture the world through your own, yeah. your own personal lens, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, <coughs> absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. I have an obsession with light. I'm, li I'm a little obsessed with light. Oh, okay. Yeah, just I'm always observing light coming through this room now, you know, the light cast coming through the blinds and... Yeah. The, light, the, the fall off of light, seeing how light falls off. That I'm obsessed with light, how yeah. Yeah. the behaviour of light, you know, how it's uh, painting with light is is about great. It is, is my keenest, as it should be for any photographer, keenest technical aspect of photography. Mm, mm. When you shoot, of course, Rainman has a camera, you know, a dust camera, oh, Rainman yes. has it, he takes yeah. random photos as well. So there are photographers who I suspect are being on the autism spectrum. I mentioned now, uh, it's not confirmed, it's not. I mean, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if not. Bill Cunningham, Gable Dan, and um, Vivian Mayer are okay. three, I suspect, of being on the autism spectrum. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Maybe, like yeah. you say, either they do know and that's their business, or they might not even have um, taken into account. They're all it... dead now, but yeah, oh, so they can't. Kind of, <laughs> they're yeah. just going to say how well I know photographers. They can't sue me for defamation <laughs> unless the estate does, but yeah, it's not yeah. defaming about that. Well, no, 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 that's just your opinion. Exactly. You've looked at them yeah, and you yeah, think yeah, that they right. might be. Um, another thing that um, would be interesting just to hear <clears> from you as well is because I know with Adam especially, he can get very obsessed about certain things. It could be really small things like little bits of a film or a mm. song or words or a chapter of a book and like this repetition mm. and has to keep repeating it, repeating it, repeating it, and then will eventually move on. I mean, it could be like he'll do it for like an hour and then move on. Or, you know, we've had times mm. where mm. I've had to read the same chapter of George's Marvelous Medicine every night for six months. Yeah. And then he moves on. Is that something that you've ever experienced? It's slightly, probably not to the same intensity as Adam. No. But I mean, you've just reminded me when I sometimes, if I, for example, not the only example, if I read your Facebook posts for Waking Up to Autism, yeah. I can't just read it from top to bottom in one in just one fluid go. Sometimes I get um, hooked on the first sentence, the first half of it, oh. and I just, just, I just, I don't know, I'll just not read it over and over again, but just read it and then just almost get as much mental nourishment now of it for myself as possible and then read on right. to, to before I can read the rest of it. It's weird. That's so why. interesting. Yeah. So yeah. does it feel like mentally you've kind of got stuck on it? Not stuck, but it's like you've, you've got to do it, do it until you're way. satisfied and then you can move on. In a way, yeah, just yeah. let that sink in first in a way or just... Because that's definitely what Adam does. Yes, yeah. And I used way. to get so, yeah. not 
didn't get really cross but like this kind of goes back to kind of schooling and how schools sometimes just really aren't equipped for neurodivergent students because like in one of their tests that they do at I don't know year three or whatever it is their like reading ability is scored and one of the areas they look at is how quickly mm. a child reads yeah like how many words per minute or whatever now Adam would always fail in their eyes yeah. their words failed because he would read something and then want to read it a few times yes. before he could move on so it's really interesting you saying exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't want to read on yet. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. You know, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's very, very interesting. Do you see the likeness in Adam? Because I do, oh, God, as an yeah. outsider. More, in more ways than one. He has a mini, <laughs> he has the same body type, same. He looks like me. Yes. He looks a bit like me. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah he is yeah. a mini me. He's definitely our gene pool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes. and that's really interesting and i think as well it's it's really interesting and quite surreal i suppose for you because he is very like you and he has his own life and it's obviously going to map out in whatever way but for you as an adult who got diagnosed as an adult and like you said it would be so interesting if you could kind of view what your life would be yeah. with a diagnosis from an early age you can't because you can't rewind time hmm. But you're gonna witness Adam going through it. Yes. So yeah, it's kind of like replaying yeah. in a way, yeah. That's him. what I'm wondering, yes. Yeah. In a way. It'd be very interesting, as I say, to hear see mm. watch him go through his teens mm. through his adult years, yeah. Knowing what he does, which I didn't Yeah, absolutely like that which I didn't know. So yeah. obviously as a as a parent of um And especially what his mum does for a living as yes. well, you know, being you know, um CEO of waking up towards his <laughs> well, yeah. quite it'll be it's... raising all this awareness and acceptance of autism, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, so hopefully, that he'll just all I want for him is to be able to grow up feeling comfortable in himself, having his own voice, being able to yeah. advocate for himself and, yes. and do whatever you know, you know, he feels he needs to, to do really. Um, but with regards to that as well, like. As a parent, mm. quite often when your child doesn't necessarily have this like sense that they want to be overly social or they like to be at home, they're quite repetitive in their obsessions and stuff like that. It's hard sometimes, like we were talking about the neurotypical respecting that it's different, but it's not wrong. You've got to mm. just, even though you wouldn't like it, they're quite happy would that be your advice to parents is to not push children to do things just because society makes you feel that a child being on their own and not socializing and staying at home is not healthy or right yeah it was never pushed on me that much anyway yeah i used to love watching videos with the curtains drawn yeah on a sunny day and stuff my own was being system yeah. Like that. yeah it's completely yeah. yeah i think there are no rules really so. no yeah, yeah, you shouldn't exactly. be made to feel bad about it, I suppose. No. Society does try to dictate, you know. Well, it's a herd mentality. It's like a tribe mentality, yeah. isn't it? We like to follow the masses. People, people are sheep, mm. in a way, you know, mm. in that sense. So, mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you're reminding me of something I forgot what it is now. Oh, okay. <laughs> but still. But um, so are there, have you ever come across any sort of other fellow autistics in your social engagements or, or anything like that that you? Um, 
none other than what I've mentioned or who I've mentioned yeah. already, really. Yeah. No. Cool. Cool. Yeah. No. It's been so, so interesting just to gain some insight from you. And I yeah. think um, a lot of people listening as well would have, you know, gained a lot from it. And then especially because when I do my courses for parents who are parents of autistic children, there's always mm. a percentage of the group that start to identify that they too are autistic. Yes. You just remind what I was yeah. going to say as well about uh, kids being on their own. I remember uh, Chris Packham. Uh, yes. He's autistic. Uh, he was, he did a documentary on autism and he was visiting a, either as a school or a, a facility for autistic children. And he was in a, uh, looking around a gymnasium or, or some function room, which was empty at the time, it was just being shown around it. And uh, the person or tutor, or she's showing them around, and say, Yeah, this is where the autistic children, you know, come and play. And normally, on you know, he was saying to Chris Packham, Yeah, normally, I'm um, para, para remem phrase of remembering this. And he was, uh, form tutor was showing Chris Packham around, saying, Yeah, this is the room where, uh, yeah, we get a lot of autistic children coming here. There's always a lot of activity, a lot of noise, uh, but not with each other. Uh, always on their own, always in their own space, making noises, yeah. making humming or whatever, yeah. <laughs> noises, flapping noises. And and I remember actually, um, you know, that sort of thing, that's you know, the consummate loner-ism yeah. that comes with being autistic. And I remember I was on the White Night Festival in Brighton, the first one years ago. They have a White Night Festival. There's various activities, creative display, exhibition, installation activities. And there was one where um, inside this... Um, uh, this venue in Brighton, which has creative artistic things on, uh, is a, a lower ground floor, and the whole floor was made into like a toy village oh. of like little toy animals. And yeah. like the whole it took over the whole floor, this huge floor of mm. it, and you just walked around it or around the peripheries of it, and you know, it's interesting as well. Yeah. Done quite meticulous. It's like a huge village toy, little, mm. about two feet high, and you can walk around it. And I was, you know crouched down looking at it his little toy you know two inch high people and toy animals and for somehow i don't know how i got talking to this young lady mm. and um she was in mid-20s or something like that and there was i could tell there was something and this is again this is before i was i knew anything about myself being autistic but looking back on it now i thought i, I think she's definitely i'm positive she was on the spectrum yeah but high function you know level one and um just to give, I know, just to give an idea, picture, just, yeah. just, just to clarify it. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, um, but yeah, she was quirky. She had this very dry, deadpan, no real emotional inflection in her voice, but a gentle way about her. But very quirky, ironic, offbeat mm. sort of humour about her. Not that she's trying to be humorous, but she was making up these little stories about these little toy animals. And she was in her twenties, but she's saying, yeah, that the cow has just witnessed its friend being being butchered by the farmer so the cow is now receiving so the, the, the pig is now giving him counseling oh. you know it's so quirky but look yeah. at it's hilarious it's yeah. darkly deadpan hilarious yeah you think that it's so funny this this is interesting yeah in a way this is very quirky girl she wasn't my type in that no. intimate sense but dating sense but interesting yeah nonetheless i just let her quite i just saw humoring her a little bit as well it's just like I think like attracts like in a sense. It's no accident that me and her are talking to each other. We're both autistic. Yes. You know what I mean? So they do, gra people gravitate of the same disposition if you will yeah. gravitate towards each other. But then, of course, there have been times where I have been in the company of other autistic uh, people, males who have 
you know got on my bloody nerves basically yeah. I've, I've encountered autistic people mm. people on the autism spectrum who are just who are just so full of anxiety let's say mm -hmm. who are just oh my gosh shut up you know we just got on my yeah freaking nerves yeah sort of thing you know yeah. but yeah two autistics don't necessarily no. automatically get on like a house on fire they can rub each other up the wrong just like way. two neurotypicals don't automatically exactly get on, exactly you know, yeah but this this girl this well she was quirky she yeah. was very odd off off beats yeah kooky yeah so yeah these two toy kind of yeah one's giving the others counseling because they just saw his friend getting yeah. butchered a bit like a feeding buffet from friends yeah exactly and this is run this is where you just uh that's a perfect segue into uh film media um recommendations of autistic i mean phoebe and friends i think is a, is a high functioning autistic yeah as yeah. well she's on the spectrum certainly because she has she her, her mind operates on another level oh absolutely to everyone else. she sees she things and process and different process deals with things in a different way to the other five in a, in a, yeah. a lot of scenes in she friends, operates yeah. on a different level yeah to everyone else uh so yeah movie recommendations i mean uh the social network jesse eisenberg's portrayal of mark zuckerberg is is an autistic one and um benedict cumberbatch in the imitation game okay very much so the social awkwardness yeah and you'd recommend for people to watch for that example film. and finally uh the fisher king amanda Plummer's character lydia in the fisher king okay i suspect her she's autistic she presents as autistic on the autism yeah. spectrum yeah absolutely as well. great movie but yeah watch oh yeah for a female for, for female autistics yeah amanda Plummer in the fisher king okay Sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's been oh, thank you. so interesting to speak with you. Um, and I know a lot of people will who have been listening would have gained so much from it. It's just so Good. it's just really nice to gain that insight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, yeah. for want of a better word. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you. So thank you so much, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to that um, episode with Mark. Um, if you wish to obviously follow and subscribe to our podcast series, just head over to our website, which is wakinguptoautism.com. Um, there is a link there that you can just pop in your email address and every time a new episode um, is released, you will be the first to hear about it. Um, and we look forward to welcoming you to future episodes.